BridgeBank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to those committed to leveraging innovation to make the world a better place. BridgeBank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. BridgeBank, be bold, venture wisely. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. From KQED. From KQED in San Francisco, I'm Mina Kim. Coming up on Forum, today's brief reprieve from the atmospheric river storms pummeling California is offering crews in cities and towns across the state a chance to survey the damage, clear trees and debris, and put up more flood barriers, though not before falling trees, floodwaters, and chaos tragically took at least 18 lives. Another band of wet storms are on the horizon. We look at when the state can expect real relief and hear from you what storm damage have you witnessed or been affected by. Forum is next, after this news. Welcome to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. The California National Guard has joined the search for a five-year-old boy in San Luis Obispo County who was swept away by floodwaters, while authorities recovered the body of a woman in a submerged car in Sonoma County yesterday. The death toll from the relentless storms that have swept California has grown to 18 and is expected to rise. Several people have been killed by floodwaters, several more from falling trees, They've smashed through roofs, trapped cars, toppled power lines. If the storm had a theme, wrote Sean Hubler, California correspondent for the New York Times, it was in the uprooted and broken trees that seemed to blanket the rain-soaked landscape. And Sean Hubler joins us now. Welcome to Forum, Sean. Uh, good morning. Hello. You You put that very poetically. <laughs> Why is it that, that trees have been such a poignant detail and representation of the storm's devastation for you? You know, it's it's not unusual for trees to fall in storms, and it's not unus- unusual for winter storms to happen in California, but the scale of this has been just really striking, um, and, uh, and and not just to newspaper reporters, um, but also to uh, to you know to to climate scientists and to 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 uh, disaster relief folks and emergency workers all over the state. Um, mm-hmm. You know, trees have just really they've they've uh, they've fallen. Um, um, Almost everywhere you look, really, um, um, uh, the uh, the result of this storm has been in these, um, you know, California's trees, which includes some you know, some magnificent right forests, redwood forests, right, um, uh, and 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 urban tree canopies, and you know, um, 
trees in you know live oaks and and there you know there's a it's been all over the state and and uh it's just been really uh you know really damaging and uh and really devastating yeah devastating and i think you also said breathtaking why is the scale so remarkable so like the weather um uh the 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 scale is is bigger uh, than uh, than it's been in the past, and it's a result of climate change. I mean, climate change, as you know, has amplified the extremes of weather um, uh, all over, uh, including in California. And and after a, a record drought, um, and that has really gripped the state in in ways that honestly the rest of the country is only can't really imagine is only beginning and trying to imagine. California is now experiencing epic rain, and this 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 succession of atmospheric rivers has just you know strained everything in the landscape and what it's done is it's both um strained the root systems of of trees and uh, uh you know, kind of starved them for of water um for for many years and now this you know torrential rain is weakening the ground around them it turns it to kind of soupy mud um and these trees have uh, you know, kind of can't can't hang on in a lot of cases, uh, and a lot of trees are in the wrong place to begin with. Uh, you know, cities plant trees for all sorts of reasons, not necessarily because they belong there, right? Uh, and um, the combination of the uh, uh, the strain of the drought uh, and the the force of the water and the wind, which has knocked a lot of trees over, um, has um, you know has just you know kind of uh, you know, created uh, kind of uh, a, uh, a, a a real, I hate to say it, a perfect storm, hmm. you know. For yeah. And incredible destruction as they fall. As you say, some of these are in very densely populated areas or areas where they, they shouldn't be. Can you just give us a sense of the destruction uh, that your reporting has found that these trees have caused when they've fallen? Oh, it's just been widespread. It's just been it's just been really something. I mean, they've trees have fallen onto power lines all over the state that cut off electricity to you know many many people. They've toppled a tree as they've they've um, toppled onto streets and across highways and across train tracks. They've disrupted transportation. Um, they've damaged levees by you know branches and debris fall into uh, uh, waterways and have you know, clogged levees and created problems that way. They've fallen onto people's houses, onto people's apartment buildings. They've, you know, killed people. A toddler, as you know, uh, in Sonoma County was killed when a redwood fell on a trailer there. there two homeless people in Sacramento were killed. Trees fell on the tents where they were sleeping. Uh, trees killed fell on a man on a state beach in Santa Cruz. They killed a woman sleeping in her home in Mendocino County. Two people were killed in a crash when lightning hit a tree uh, and knocked it onto Highway 99. Uh, that's just a, a, a little bit of it. And, it, and in cities, um, in some cities with a, with a big and mature sort of urban canopy, places like Sacramento, for example, um, at the, around the Capitol, calls itself the city of trees. And it has 
just it's just been devastated i mean the the city alone not counting the county has taken something like a thousand reports of downed trees one park lost 60 trees i talked to a woman in sacramento who had a coast redwood fall into her house while she was a new year's eve party uh you know i what land park which is a beloved kind of city park where the zoo is they had to close the zoo and move some of the animals to protect them from flying limbs and and on the capitol grounds when uh on friday uh um uh where the governor on friday was uh was uh, having his inaugural uh, celebration uh, on the capitol grounds uh prior to that celebration a giant sequoia fell and stripped all the limbs from one side of a tory pine in uh in in a park park not far from the capitol i mean uh, that's just that's just a a tiny sampling i mean it, it, it just it, it, iconic trees a tree of what was 275 years old or something like that in uh in in napa um at a winery fell and when you think about that think about that history all that that tree has seen that's a tree that's you know it's it was here for the gold rush it was here for two world wars right i mean you know it's just um and and this is what took it out and you 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 kind of shudder to think what the what the next round of storms will bring, because there will be more of them, right? And the ground is saturated. Yes, yes. Well, the listener writes, trees are grand beings in our lives, ever-present and protective. They are like our ancestors, having been present for generations. They mark time and anchor us in place. It is heartbreaking when they fall, has always been so, and always will be. Listeners, join the conversation. Have you witnessed fallen trees and other destruction? How has that Affected you, you can tell us by calling 866-733-6786, by emailing forum at kqed.org, finding us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at KQED Forum. We're talking with Sean Hubler of the New York Times. And Sean, you're talking about how these trees are just a symbol of the stark challenges that California faces with extreme weather shifts from drought to, to storms. You also talk about how they've exposed uh, the stark challenges that the state faces with regard to our unhoused population. And of course, the connection being that that the very sad death of the people who had trees fall on their tents, on their homes. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if you could give us an update, because I know you've been reporting on this too. Mm-hmm. From your mm-hmm. vantage yeah. point, is there enough shelter space for people who want it, for those who don't? How are they tolerating these conditions? What are you hearing? A mixture of things. In some places, there's there's a shelter space, but it's uh, maybe not the right kind of shelter space for the folks who are out who are camped out there. There or, or shelter space that they feel comfortable accessing. A lot of people who are camped outside um, have have pets that they can't bear to part from, or they have um, so many belongings that they have accumulated that they put you know kind of into their campsites that they're and they fear leaving them where they might get stolen. Um, some people feel like they're, um, uh, you know, that they've weathered other storms and they can weather this one as well. Some people are mentally ill, right, and uh, can't can't uh, um, understand or, or appreciate necessarily kind of what's what's happening around them. I mean, some people d- really resent the, um, you know, kind of strict sobriety requirements at uh, at, at at a lot of shelters. 
People are afraid of the folks who go to shelters in some cases. I mean, I spoke to folks who were nervous because they didn't want to go to a shelter because a a lot of folks who had been recently released from prison were were there. I mean, uh, all of the things that you can imagine that make people try to hide in the shadows and make people frightened and, and nervous and reluctant to come in under in, in, in good weather, right? Um, all of those things are, uh, you know, at play, exponentially at play uh, in, in these mm. storms. Yeah. Yes. Uh, often these encampments are in low-lying areas, right? I think you were reporting on how in Ventura County, there was an encampment that was mm-hmm. engulfed by the Ventura River, Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of, well, along riverbeds, particularly, and still, you know, a lot of California cities were built along rivers, right, uh, originally for, for transport, you know, transportation purposes. Uh, uh, and a lot of the, a lot of the riverbeds provide, you know, in California is a temperate place. And uh, so camping along a riverbed in California can be quite a pleasant experience, right? And, uh, you know, and it's a, it's a temperate climate. People, you know, and most California has, for that reason, uh, it doesn't have a strong culture of, of, um, of shelter uh, for homeless people to begin with. And California, along with having the largest homeless population in the country um, has uh, 70% of it, the California's homeless uh, folks uh, or unhoused folks or people experiencing homelessness um, are, are, um, are living in, in cars or uh, uh, outside and unsheltered in some way. Yeah. So uh, it, it's a, um, you know, and, and these, and these areas, I mean, the folks that I spoke to, for example, Sacramento is the confluence of two rivers, the American and the Sacramento river. And um, people are, have, there are years long, years old encampments uh, in the, on the American river parkway, for example, of folks who have, you know, you can see them there, they're quite established. And, and uh, you know, those folks, um, didn't really anticipate um, the the floodwater, uh, um, you know, rising. I mean, park rangers try to evacuate them as much as they can. The city has has really has really done, worked, you know, heroically to try to bring people in, take care of people, inform people, reach out to people, you know. But a lot of folks are just they they're used to what they're used to, and 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 they have um, found themselves in recent days just mm-hmm. under circumstances that are just squalid, just uh, unthinkable almost for most people. We're talking about the toll of the relentless and deadly storms on our Californians. Stay with us. This is Forum. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. 
Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. Here's what we're talking about tomorrow. Former content moderators for Reddit and TikTok have filed class action lawsuits against the sites, alleging they suffered trauma from the graphic and violent content they reviewed. If you have experience as a content mod, we'd love to hear yours. You can leave a voicemail at 415-553-3300. Today, we're talking about how the storms have upended life in California and brought a death toll to our state That is higher than the last two wildfire seasons combined. We're talking about the effects that they've had on our unhoused population and advocates wanting state and local officials to do more. And we're talking also about how they have made the state's trees particularly vulnerable. We want to hear what storm damage you've witnessed and how it's affected you. You can tell us by emailing forum at kqed.org posting on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at KQED Forum, or by calling 866-733-6786. We're talking with Sean Hubler, California correspondent for The New York Times. And I'd like to bring into the conversation now Paula Pepper, a retired U.S. Forest Service urban ecologist in Sacramento. Paula Pepper, thanks so much for being with us. Good morning. Thank you for having me. So I know you've been directly affected that you lost power. Can you tell us how you are experiencing this storm and your neighbors around you? Well, we lost power here. We were fortunate. We only lost it for 25 hours. And um, interestingly, only one side of our neighborhood lost it and the other side was fine. But at, at the peak Um, In the middle of the night, after this second big storm, uh, the Sacramento Municipal Utility District said that all 559,000 people were out of power. Mm. And they brought that down to 350,000, and that lasted a couple of days. And did you have a neighbor have a tree fall on their their home or fall down? Yes. um, I have two neighbors who had uh, one of them had uh, Italian cypresses that were in their back fence neighbor's yard and they blew over and onto their house. And then the other family had a beautiful, beautiful uh, interior live oak that they had designed their entire backyard around when they built. And it fell, hit power lines and uh, fell against their house. I mean, it's it's very sad, but it's also more than just sad, it sounds like, Paula, in the sense that, well, we're hearing from Sean that the sheer number of trees that have fallen is is really remarkable. Are you worried about broader climate impacts from these tree losses? Well, I tell you, the the if we look at everything in the state, including the giant redwoods up in Humboldt that have been falling as well, yes. um, these trees are huge carbon sinks. And I can use as an example, um, our state capital, we have, oh, 10 deodar cedars that were planted back in the 1870s. And just one of those deodar cedars 
has 55,000 pounds of carbon stored in it. So you look at the redwoods, you look at all these trees that are falling, and uh, it's it takes, you know, I mean, for city trees, it takes 50 to 75 trees for them to grow to the size of many of these that are falling. Well, this listener Renee writes, I've been on tree watch throughout the recent series of storms. It's stressful. We have a very large cedar in our backyard. It was healthy at last check and looks robust to the untrained eye, but we are overdue having it trimmed. It's so expensive to do so. So that's got me on edge. We slept downstairs on the night of the bomb cyclone. I'd rather we all sleep downstairs until after the weather dries out a little. How does one know if their tree is at risk for falling? Well, there are a couple of things. Um, You can actually look online uh, with the ISA, uh, International Society of Arboriculture, Tree Risk, and there are some brochures that you can find that show you some of the things to look at. But really, um, even though it might be a little expensive, you know, a lot of these trees that are still standing have been stressed. So as I think Sean mentioned earlier, you know, more are going to come down. So it's really important if you contact either a consulting arborist or a certified arborist, because they're certified in tree risk assessment. But one of the things that um, you personally can do is keep an eye on the crown look to see if there are any cracks or broken branches. I mean, I have a neighbor with a 120-foot-tall, 75-year-old redwood, and I use my binoculars with every storm to look at what's breaking or cracking. Hmm. Um, but the other thing is is to watch the root system area because lots of times you can start seeing your front lawn or your back lawn begin to lift a little bit where it wasn't before. And that's, you know, extremely dangerous when you start seeing that. Um, but really, it's the trees that uh, that I watch the most are larger, older trees that are in full foliage. So all your conifers, uh, all your live oaks, um, eucalyptus. We had, well, since Sean was there, uh, two gigantic 100-year-old eucalyptus fell on the Capitol as well. Mm. And our urban forester believes after the first storm, he thought there was there was at least 1,000 down. And the second storm, I would bet there are at least 3,000 down. And that doesn't even count the amount of limb damage. In my neighborhood, it's full of old Modesto ash. And you can't walk down a single street where huge limbs haven't come down. Let me go to caller Kathleen in Santa Rosa. Kathleen, you're on. Uh, Yeah, I've been following the whole issue of trees as a carbon sink for a long time. And one of the things I've been wondering is, one thing I've read is that sometimes younger trees are actually taking more in currently than older trees. And the other is that I remember years ago in San Francisco, they had a bunch of fallen trees in Golden Gate Park and discovered that none of the trees had been, there was no replacement program for the trees. They weren't removing the the oldest and planting new. So I'm wondering if something like that, a plan like around 
in Sacramento where there's all trees of the same age, it won't help with this storm series, but it might help in the future if some planning could be done like that. Hmm. And also be sure to investigate which is it the younger trees or the older trees that actually are the best for pulling in carbon now. Paula, do you need? Yeah, Kathleen, thank you. Paula, do you have any thoughts on what Kathleen is saying? Yes, Um, and Sacramento does have a replanting program and has for many years. It was really started uh, with Sacramento Municipal Utility District as well as uh, in in conjunction with uh, the Sacramento Tree Foundation. And now there's California Relief and other programs that um, are doing replanting. Um, I don't, you know, I I don't, I don't really believe, and and my work as an urban ecologist was involved in helping calculate the amount of carbon in trees and to develop uh, the carbon program in the state of California. And large trees actually put on more carbon than small trees every year. If you think that it's in the wood of the tree, so you take a tree that's just two inches, a newly planted tree, two inches diameter, and you compare that with a tree that's 40 inches in diameter, the 40 inches, the tree will grow at least, you know, maybe a quarter to even one inch a year like redwoods, which actually shouldn't be planted in Sacramento. Um, And that's a lot of carbon in the end. Paula, yeah, I I think you have, um, Paula Pepper, having your expertise as a retired U.S. Forest Service urban ecologist in Sacramento has really been great. Just a couple more tree-related comments that we're getting here. We're talking about how they've been a theme of the devastation of this storm The listener writes, Saturday night, I was walking across the UC Berkeley campus after a concert at Hertz Hall when I heard a loud crack and a limb came down from a large tree. When I got closer, I could see a pile of branches near the base of the tree. The branches were large enough to hurt someone who was standing too close. We need to be cautious around all kinds of trees, not just those likely to fall over. A listener writes, a large tree fell right as my wife was pulling into the intersection on a green light on Tuesday in San Francisco. The tree and traffic light pole slammed down a few yards in front of my wife's car. I'm thankful she wasn't hurt. I'm also thankful for all of the kind folks that came to her car to help. Do you think we will see some efforts to really rethink the way that we are monitoring and also planting and so on? Are you no- Do you know, Paula, if these conversations are starting you know, I don't, I'm sure they're starting. Um, but the problem is, is when we have, you know, trees have a life life cycle and a lifetime. And unless you're going to plant a bunch of tiny trees, which won't give you any of the ecosystem services, you know, to speak of that these larger trees grow to, unless we're going to do that, um, we really just need to start looking at uh, how to take some trees out and plant new trees mm-hmm. in between. Well, Paula, thanks so much for joining us. Really appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you. Again, we're looking at the damage of these relentless storms while we have 
a brief break. We're talking about the uprooted and broken trees that are now blanketing our state and also the broader destruction that the storm has caused. Amy writes, I appreciate the guest's comment on the scale of the destruction being commensurate with the increasing scale of climate change-driven storms. These storms not only cause devastation to their constituents, they cost so much in federal and personal funds to remedy. Our political leaders need to act against climate change in unison. It's so hard to see California getting this devastating amount of rain and wind after all the years of drought and wildfires already taking a toll. Listeners, you can share your thoughts. You can tell us about the damage that you have witnessed and how you are feeling impacted by all of this recent rain, wind, and damage. You can email forum at kqed.org. Call us 866-733-6786. Find us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at KQED Forum. Sean, so what are the cleanup efforts that are underway while while we are catching this little bit of a break? What are you seeing and hearing? Well, um, the skies cleared a little bit um, today um, and uh, crews are out everywhere. Uh, the air is uh, full of buzz saws and leaf blowers and so on uh, in, in places like Sacramento, for example, where they've had a lot of down trees there. Or trees, the, the you know the um, a, a kind of a, a signature feature now of the landscape in a lot of places are just like these big piles of dismembered um, fallen trees or leave uh, uh, branches that have been kind of pushed into piles that have been like you know in big giant drifts in places and uh, and even on the along the coast you know driftwood um uh, just carpets of driftwood um uh, the the uh, you know public works departments are sending folks out uh, they're focusing on trees that have fallen onto down power lines and you know an attempt to make sure that everybody who's lost power can get their power restored um it, you know and you know scientists uh, around the state are are watching this this uh, you know using this as an opportunity to kind to see what works uh, what's what has failed what why did it fail what can we what can we learn from this you know kind of how can we how can we plan more wisely and you know and i and i should add that you know in in some respects you know the storm while really um you know kind of a violent and disruptive um for the state and and deadly uh um, has also kind of brought with it you know a certain amount of uh sort of optimistic you know, um, news too, and in, in that it has, you know, kind of filled reservoirs um, up to a, you know, to higher levels. They're not overflowing, but they're, you know, and the drought's not gone, obviously, but, you know, but it's, but it has improved the situation. Snowpack is, is improved. Uh, so, uh, and, and so, so there's a, uh, you know, there's a lot of effort to kind of clear clear things up. Um, but this is going to be with us for a long time to come. I mean, just insurance adjusters alone are have become very difficult to find. I talked to one woman who had tried for five days and she wasn't able to get an insurance adjuster. She had, you know, a tree had fallen on her roof into her master bedroom um, while no one was home in her house. I mean, it's just, it's, it's so it's a, um, uh, it's a a lot uh, for the for the state to absorb, and of course, another round of storms is incoming um, at least through the you know beginning of next week. Yeah, can you talk about that? Is it is it supposed to start as early as tomorrow? Yes. Uh, so it's it's you know so I guess it's it's looking like you know there's going to be some more rain and snow tomorrow, and you know kind of 
I sound like the weatherman now. Parts of California and the Pacific Northwest are going to are expecting rainfall uh, in uh, in the forecast through the beginning of next week. But the forecast casters are saying it could be less intense and uh, it's it could clear up in in by the yes. middle of next week. But you know, but even in the short term, I mean, there's intense today. Uh, uh, there's a, a intense concern about flooding on the Salinas River, for example, and the concern yes. that it's going to cut off the Monterey Peninsula from the rest of the state. So there is there's there's still just it, it's going to be the mother of all mop ups. It really it really is the mother of all mop ups. Yes, and you're saying even if the rain won't be as intense as what we've seen. The rivers are so swollen, and so I imagine state officials are really worried about even more flooding. Right now, what, some 5 million Californians are under flood watch, Sean? Yes, that, yeah, yeah, that's right. There's a, a something at our last count anyway. You know, and actually, one of the things that's kind of remarkable is that the damage hasn't been worse. I have to say, as someone who's, I've lived in, Cal- I've covered California for for 40 years, I have to say it's it's not as uh, the the you know I'm I'm actually surprised that the damage hasn't been worse. It's a real testament to the uh, to the uh, to the efforts and uh, uh, you know conscientiousness of California's sort of emergency um, you know um, crews and culture and uh, all of the folks who are out there sort of sleeplessly have been monitoring this this stuff for for you know since before christmas uh it's 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 really been a uh, quite a heroic effort but you know it it really does point to the need for um you know serious thought about california's infrastructure and how it can be improved uh uh or adjusted you know for this new era because it's really upon us now yeah let me go to caller danny in walnut creek danny you're on Hi. Yeah. I, when you said, Nina, you know, maybe a conversation should be started on the monitoring of trees and stuff. I just uh, wanted to let you know that there's the already a fully blown stuff going on this. We do have uh, the California Tree Failure Database. I believe their conference is going on today or tomorrow in a San, I think it's a San, Santa Rosa. And that's where all the arborists looked at trees over the years and find out what's breaking on trees and where they're breaking. Uh, and secondly, the, the guy in Sacramento has put out um, a good paper, a couple of articles, on the trees and the root systems of all the uh, city trees in Sacramento working on that. Mm. So some is pretty you know, developed. And I yeah. think the lady from, um, from uh, the ecologist was really good. And it's, it's a good, good program overall. Well, well, uh, Danny, thank you. And, and thank you for letting us know about the database. Listeners, we're talking about or taking stock, basically, of the damage from these sadly deadly storms so far and hearing from you your thoughts and advice, 866-733-6786. If you have more to share, our email address, forum at kqed.org. We're at KQED Forum on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Stay with us. You're listening to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. 
Set ten years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. You're listening to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. We're taking stock of the damage and destruction from the deadly storms that have gripped California. Many have been killed by falling trees. Many have also been killed by floodwaters or being trapped in cars on flooded roadways. And just before the break, we were talking with Sean Hubler, California correspondent for The New York Times, about the state's infrastructure and I'd like to bring into the conversation now Carla Namath, director of the California Department of Water Resources. Carla Namath, thanks so much for joining us. Good morning. It's great to be here. I know you must be incredibly busy and probably incredibly busy monitoring what is happening with rivers so swollen, the state expecting more rain soon. I'm just wondering where right now you have your eye for potential catastrophic flooding in the coming days. Sure. Um, We are focused very intensely on the Central Coast, of course. I think uh, one of the real challenges uh, over the past several days was the way in which that particular atmospheric river kind of hung up and, and parked over that part of the state and dropped enormous amounts of rain, essentially annual rainfall totals in a period of 24 to 48 hours, um, which has the potential for landslides and and other um, other very severe impacts. So we are very focused on on that part of the state. We are also focused on uh, Monterey and uh, what's happening there relative to uh, the storm that's moving through uh, tonight and tomorrow that will likely hit the southern part of the Bay Area and then also push a little bit farther north. Uh, So we are very focused uh, on the Salinas uh, area. And then, um, if I can dare say it, maybe more traditional areas of of flooding along the Russian River. Um, Guerneville, Hopland, uh, we're also focused on the Navarro River in the Anderson Valley. Um, Those those areas... uh, and the communities in those areas, quite frankly, have, have a lot of experience with flooding. Um, there's the geography that essentially means it's really the, the opening of the the Russian River onto the Pacific Ocean. Is It's almost an attractant for these big uh, water systems, these big atmospheric rivers to move through. Uh, so folks there um, typically have a lot of experience uh, in in flooding, but but we're watching those areas very closely uh, over the next several days. And what is your message to people in those vulnerable areas, whether they've had experience with it or yeah. not? I saw this very chilling quote from the sheriff in Monterey County saying that Monterey Peninsula may become an island. 
Yeah. Um, it's important for everyone in those areas to get connected, uh, particularly on your cell phone, get connected with your county office of emergency services. Those are it's the local entities that issue these evacuations um, when we sense that there's real impact and real uh, danger to life and, and and property. Also get connected to the National Weather Service. Um, they have a specific focus on the Bay Area or Los Angeles or the Sacramento area. And, and they are excellent at providing real-time information uh, around some of these events as they move through. One of the things that has been uh, I think a real challenge in the last couple of days is, I mean, I, I think your listeners in the Bay Area will, um, we had very strange weather in San Francisco about 48 hours ago with a lot of smaller cells, a lot of downpours, a lot of thunder and lightning activity. And those can be dangerous in their own right because they tend to be much more concentrated. And because the ground is so saturated at this point, it um, those rivers and creeks can rise very, very quickly. And that's the kind of information that the National Weather Service tracks very closely and uh, is important for all Californians to stay connected to when we have these series of intense storms as we've had. Yeah. Sierra writes, this short break in the weather is an opportunity for public works and open space land managers to assess damage to roadways and trails. Please respect road and park closure notices there may be slides or compromised trees to address. Conditions going into a park may not be the same coming out, possibly cutting off exit routes. Yes, Carla Namath, I know a lot of state workers are using this time to survey the damage in some of the most hardest hit areas. I want to ask you, there was just the, the very sad death of three people, I believe, in Sacramento County. This was over the New Year's storms where... Uh, they died as a result of, of levees uh, overtopping. I'm wondering if you can help us understand how levees are monitored. I know there is such a range with with the state's levees versus the ones that are, are privately owned, but they're clearly having an impact and can be extremely dangerous. That's right. And our, our levees and, and flood protection, is it really is a system of systems. Uh, but how it generally works is the Department of Water Resources, we have control over what's called the state plan of flood control. And that's a certain subset of levees. But we also work very intensely with local uh, flood agencies. So flood emergencies actually tend to be um, emergencies that the Department of Water Resources and flood uh, agencies, we we drill on flood emergencies every year because we always know that it's a possibility. And the department has what's called a flood operations center. And that is staffed 24 seven when we have these big events. And it's the local flood control district. Sometimes it's a county, sometimes it's a reclamation district. When we have high water events, they patrol the levees 24-7 and they report any problems up to the state flood operations center. And we dispatch flood fighting materials, technical expertise. We stay connected with the broader state 
emergency operations center, which includes things like, you know, the National Guard. You know, we now have our FEMA folks joining us. Uh, and that's how things typically work in terms of emergency response. For those folks in, in, in Sacramento, I'm glad you raised this because it is just a significant challenge. Um, and so many of these challenges, of course, are, are really overlapping um, issues that we have with our unhoused population. And here in Sacramento, um, many of our unhoused residents live, you know, near the levees around the American River, mm-hmm. and um, and it's a real challenge for the for the American River. Um, these are they are essentially almost living in the floodplain, and so Folsom is a reservoir along the American River, further upstream, that drains this watershed, which is. Um, a very large watershed with a relatively small flood control dam and water supply dam. Um, And so what it means is Folsom uh, Reservoir typically has to release floodwaters multiple times during even a a regular wet year. And so what was happening is um, a lot of advance notice was, was getting out. There were helicopters flying above, encouraging people to evacuate, telling them what was coming. And it's just, you know, it's just obviously a system that's not adequate, you know, up to the task of of protecting this particularly vulnerable uh, population. Um, So there's more work that needs to be done there. Uh, But, but sadly, those, those deaths were the result of uh, flood releases that, that need to be made, um, given the flood risk in the broader Sacramento area. Yes. And and the reporting is that the levees were privately owned. I guess the question I have is, if the state doesn't own or maintain them, what can it do to ensure that private ones are, you know, maintained or improved if needed? My understanding is that that's extremely costly. And there isn't much incentive yeah. to, to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And that, you know, it really does go to, you know, another set of issues. I think there's really two issues. One is um, the levee break or the breach um, down in the Wilton area. So that that was a private levee. It was a rural levee. Um, and rural levees are not subject to the same uh, standard. They are subject to a hundred year flood event. Urban levees must comply with a 200-year flood event, and I think maybe we generally put a pin in that in terms of how even that evolves relative to what we're seeing with climate. But uh, but nevertheless, those are private levees. Um, there are um, many state programs that can help those levy districts with funding. It does require local funding as well. Um, and in those areas, you know, I think, unfortunately, what what tends to take shape is um, in all likelihood, you know, litigation after the fact, um, mm-hmm. you know, f- for those folks who are uh, required to required to maintain those levies if, um, you know, there's there's damage. And um, <clears throat> certainly in this case, uh, some real tragedy around uh, the road closure and the, and the closure of Highway 99. Very similar situation where we had a big event coming through. Um, and that is that is the tough 
the tough stuff with floods is um, it can change very rapidly. So that kind of awareness of your surroundings, awareness of your evacuation routes, awareness of which routes are closed, uh, whether or not you're getting guidance to shelter in place. These are all things that, um, you know, Californians need to become increasingly aware of just given the severity of storm events this year, but also, you know, ones that we would expect into the future. I'm seeing a lot of reporting that California has a lot more experience with drought than with storms. And I'm wondering if all of this points to the fact that the state's existing water infrastructure, the way that we store and distribute water really is just not equipped to handle the kind of flood events that climate change is bringing us. And I want to get your assessment. I think that um, one, I think part of the issue is also, you know, flood events happen and, but they're, so episodic that, you know, we tend to have limited memory. Um, But as I mentioned, you know, so many times I've gotten the question, you know, what's your big concern about the drought? And my big concern about the drought is they're usually ended with pretty significant storm events and flooding. And, you know, people don't, um, people don't die in a drought, but, but we do lose lives in flooding. Um, I, I think that ultimately, you know, our water infrastructure, including our flood infrastructure, in many ways, was constructed with a 20th century hydrology, but also a 20th century uh, mentality that, you know, brought a lot of things to our communities, but was very focused from the flood perspective on just funneling that water out as quickly as we can. Um, And that's done through levees that, you know, work to keep the river in in the banks. In fact, um, that's how we got the LA River. The biggest historic rainfall total was 24 hours, uh, 24 inches and 24 hours in the San Gabriels. I think it was back in the 30s. And that, you can imagine the catastrophic flooding and that, you know, gave rise to the concreting of the LA River. Um, That's a dramatic example, but Generally speaking, uh, many of our rivers have been altered significantly uh, to use them as a way to just push that flood water out as quickly as we can. There's two things that we need to do differently to prepare ourselves for, you know, what's coming with climate. One is um, rivers need room to move. And we have floodplains on kind of our big systems. um, And one of the, I think, good things about what's been happening with this particular series of storms is, you know, five out of our six weirs on the Sacramento system, they are operating, um, they're providing relief to those levees, that water's overtopping, it's getting out on that floodplain. Um, That relieves pressure on those levees. It also happens to be really healthy for our uh, salmon populations who that are, are very stressed after these many years of drought. Mm-hmm. So we know that as a general matter, we need to do a lot more of that, give these rivers, you know, real room to move. Um, on the yeah. San Joaquin side of the system, we're a little less developed, but we are seeing that those weirs are working. This system is... Um, working as designed and we need to do more of it and we need to be ready for even even larger events. 
The second thing we need to do is make sure that our infrastructure is in place to capture these kinds of flood flows and use them to replenish our groundwater basins. Our reservoirs are, are getting a bump. They were very, very deeply um, uh, drained because of drought. Uh, so it's pretty incredible that even, you know, our biggest reservoirs technically are still under average in the state, even after all this rain event. It is. Um, um, let me just interrupt you for one second and remind yeah. listeners that we're talking with Carla Namath, director of the California Department of Water Resources, and Sean Hubler of the New York Times, and you're listening to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. Sorry, finish your thought there. Oh, thank you. Uh, the the other thing we need to do, though, is when we have these intense floodwaters, we need to be uh, positioned to move this water and, and recharge our groundwater basins. And that, I think, is something that, especially in areas that are very drought-stricken, um, California, you know, frankly, we were late to the table in terms of managing our groundwater relative to to other states. And we passed a law in 2015 um, to start, you know, fixing, rebalancing a problem with groundwater deficits that have been decades in the making. And a legacy of that lack of management is um, not the understanding that we need right at this moment relative to the geology that can help us sort out where the best places are for groundwater recharge. And, and that will take pressure off the, the flood system, but it will also very much prepare California for drought. And so with groundwater management, I, I, I don't like this analogy, but I can't think of a, a better one. With groundwater management, we are building the plane and flying it at the same time. We have an immediate need to uh, manage those precious resources uh, much more sustainably, but we also don't have the information that we need um, to do it in the best way possible right now. And so well, we're certainly, of, yeah, yeah. We're, we're certainly learning a lot through yes, this. We are learning a lot. <laughs> um, this listener writes, everybody is all excited about the Sierra snowpack being 200% of normal plus, but when that melts, is there a potential for significant flooding ahead? We just have a minute, but also, speaking of flooding, I hate to put this in listeners' minds, but there's also been a warning about king tides, not this weekend, but next be having potential for flooding. So so where are we at, um, Carla Namath? And again, just less than a minute here. We need to pay attention to the next storms that are rolling in. Um, and we're not done with the, the wet season by a long shot. It may dry out, uh, but we may see, you know, more activity deeper in the season. I think the biggest challenge to that Sierra snowpack is a warm, wet storm on top of all that snow that melts it. And that's when we get these real flooding, potential flooding events. And I, I think the King Tide issue is, uh, you know, it's just such a, a perfect example of the cascade of climate induced challenges that we have and how maybe singularly there are ways to manage them. Uh, but when we have them all together, it really stresses our system. Yeah. And there, we've got a lot of work to do here in California to ready ourselves. We are down a good path, uh, but it is upon us and the time to get the work done is right now.
Well, Carla Namath, Director of the California Department of Water Resources, thank you for giving us your time. Sean Hubler of the New York Times, thank you for giving us your reporting. And listeners, thank you for giving us your experiences. Thank you, Caroline Smith, for producing today's segment. I'm Mina Kim. This is Forum. Funds for the production of Forum are provided by the members of KQED Public Radio, the Germanicos Foundation, the Generosity Foundation, and the Heising Simons Foundation. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country, we need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.